Welcome to Spew, Spectrum People Enjoying Wizardry. I'm Queerness, and I have Asperger's Syndrome. I'm Lavender, and my daughter, Abby Kadabi, has nonverbal autism. And I now call this 26th meeting of Spew to order. queerness how are you i'm doing good back home after spending a month in florida i i'm certified to teach bob ross classes so now i'm spending a bunch of money on starting a business this is so exciting this is wonderful new news and you have a few more adventures under your belt after your month in florida (laughs) yeah so because i was staying in my parents camper and i do not have a vehicle to Pull the camper. They use this as an excuse to come to the beach for a week. <laughs> and also, it was my mom's birthday, and Disney was at 30% capacity. So we went to Pandora as well, which was fun. Disney during a pandemic is actually a great time to go. The lines are short ish because the main Pandora ride normally has like a two hour wait. And the sign said 20 minutes, but oh, it, wow. it wasn't standing for 20 minutes. It was slowly walking through the line to get there for 20 minutes. Hmm. So you could actually like look at the stuff, but you weren't just standing there forever. Was it more expensive than it is normally? Oh, no, it's just as expensive. Well, I knew it wasn't going to be cheaper, but I thought that Disney might raise the prices on their tickets to kind of offset since they were only at a certain capacity. No, there, there just really isn't that many people wanting to go at the moment. Yeah. But no, they didn't lower their prices. Of course not. Neither did the Kennedy Space Center, even though the main like bus tour that goes to the NASA facility and then stops at the Apollo Museum, that was shut down because of it. So it was still 60 bucks plus $10 in parking to go to the Kennedy Space Center, even though the main exhibit was closed. But they included a complimentary ticket for any time next year. Oh, now that that's not a bad deal. Which it's only like 90 bucks for like a season pass there anyways. Like it's expensive for your first visit, but they're not about trying to keep you out of there. Hmm. But then on on the trip back home and stopped in Atlanta because it was more or less halfway. And we went to the Center for Puppetry Arts. They had um so, some Jim Henson stuff. They had a whole exhibit on the, the Dark Crystal. Oh. So I had fun. And and then my mom had to go to the aquarium to look at the sharks. So we looked at sharks for a while. Mama Queerness loves sharks. I, I noticed this. I haven't kind of noticed going to places before is, for example, at the aquarium, when you walk into each room, there is a sign that has a pair of headphones and it says either quiet zone 
or loud area sensitive people may want to use headphones so it was something along that line interesting but yeah there was a it was going into each room there was a sign to indicate whether or not you were entering a loud exhibit or not well that's really cool what have you guys been up to (sighs) that didn't sound like a good sound I have been living in almost vicariously through you for the past month because the past month has been just, I mean, it's just been wild in our neck of the woods. We're trying to navigate virtual learning (laughs) (laughs) with Abby. I don't even want to go into the details about that because we could do a whole episode on that. I'm I'm sure I could do a series alone on all of the issues, <laughs> but trying to navigate virtual learning and her ABA hours got increased. Well, she was approved for 25 hours a week initially right before COVID. And then when COVID hit, The company had to cut back on her hours just due to, you know, regulations and such. Mm -hmm. Now she can go back to her normal 25 hours a week and she's still really liking it. And we're seeing some, we're seeing some pretty awesome gains, honestly, so far. She's trying to, she's trying to talk a lot more and say yes and no. And she doesn't seem, I don't know, she doesn't seem so angry these days. So it hasn't all been bad. It's it's just been kind of a whirlwind, but it doesn't mean it's been bad. Did you say that they were trying to do a 24-hour brain scan on her? Oh yeah, that happened too. Forgot about that. Um, So it didn't actually happen. It was scheduled. It was supposed to happen. And then I called the hospital. It was scheduled for a Monday. I called the hospital on Friday to pre-register so we wouldn't have to sit in a waiting room and try to keep a mask on Abby and, mm. you know, just fill out all the paperwork and all that. I tried to just go ahead and pre-register on the phone. And I just, I asked them, I said, so you guys, you know that she is nonverbal and she has autism and this is not going to be a fun time, right? And she said, what? (laughs) No. (laughs) I said, oh, well, is there any kind of safety plan or anything in place? Um, Is there any plan (laughs) in place? And she said, no, you need to call your doctor back. And so I tried to call the doctor back and he didn't answer and Monday morning rolled around. I called the hospital and I said, look, we're not, we're not going to do this. We're not, mm -mm. there's no way that this is going to happen. You guys, we all need to come together and have a plan first before we (laughs) go into this. So it's been scheduled for later this month and it will be sedated. Mm -hmm. 24 hours still seems excessive um this one should not be for 24 hours this one should just be a few hours just as long as the anesthesia will last you know a very basic brainwave scan (laughs) they're checking for seizures seizures being one of the things i guess they're just looking for abnormal brain activity because she was having such high aggression and such intense intense self-harming behavior that they just wanted to make sure that maybe, you know, she hadn't hurt herself in any way that maybe we couldn't see, you know, she hadn't given herself a concussion or anything. Mm. Yes, seizures too. I mean, and we've had one done before, but she was two, maybe three. She's 10 now. I've had one done a long time. I think I was in high school and I was like standing up randomly in class and not remembering actually doing that. And so we just did like an hour sleep study and that was it. Nothing came of it. Yeah, nothing came of the last one either. She had no abnormal activity. I don't think there will be any on this one either. This is just so the doctor can rule all this out, is my opinion. Hmm. 
but that's what's new in our neck of the woods. In terms of birthdays for the second half of the month, August 18th is Celestina Warbeck. The 22nd is Percy Weasley's birthday. And the 26th is Dolores Umbridge's birthday. Boo. <laughs> so happy birthday to two of you. <laughs> yes. So what are we talking about today? We are going to finish up the Goblet of Fire in this episode. Yes. There is a lot that happens in these last few chapters. but So I find the beginning of the books, there's not a lot of metaphor stuff because it's just kind of like setting everything back up. Then the middle of the book is where I find the most metaphors. And then you get to the end and it's just really action-y. So there's not a lot of actual like character development or anything in the last third of the book. No, there's. you're right. It's just very, very action-packed. So keep that in mind as we go through this last third. So the first chapter we're going to be talking about is The Egg and the Eye. And this is a moaning myrtle chapter. <laughs> Basically. And I, I just have this fun myrtle quote where she said, Oh yes, it's very easy to forget that myrtle's dead. <laughs> it's funny because the first note I have is, is also a myrtle quote. <laughs> <laughs> And it's when she pops out uh, to say hi to Harry. And she says, I've never been out to speak to anyone before, said Myrtle. And Harry just says, oh, I'm honored. <laughs> just very sarcastically. <laughs> Love Myrtle. I also have the note that Marty Crouch Jr. is a very good actor. I've put this in <laughs> all three sections, I think, so far. Because every time there's another chapter with him, it's like, you are so good. So good. Like, I mean, he acted like his life depended on it because uh, it did. And he had been waiting for something like this to happen. I know. I understand. It's very, very masterfully done. Barty Crouch Jr. And you also find out in this chapter <laughs> that Moni <laughs> Myrtle had a stalking case against her. From a former classmate, from the girl that actually discovered her body in the toilet. Yes. It's just a very, it's like one sentence. Myrtle had a whole stalking case against her. She holds a grudge and is stalkery. I just, I thought that, I, I never caught that before until I reread it this time. And it was just that one sentence. I was like, hmm, okay. <laughs> then we move on to the second task. So when they are uh, practicing summoning charms, in Flitwick's class, I have this this line that, oh, I feel for Neville. It was good in theory, but it didn't work very well. Neville's aim was so poor that he kept accidentally sending much heavier things flying across the room. Professor Flitwick, for instance. <laughs> I feel for Professor Flitwick in this scenario, not necessarily Neville. <laughs> also, in the same scene, even in the middle of deep conversation... Hermione is still better at spells than everyone else. Yeah, that's not even a contest anymore. Also, um, only two scroots are left at this point. I know, it's kind of funny just to watch the, the countdown throughout the progress of the book. <laughs> just fewer and fewer. Because they just keep killing each other. They don't have any discernible heads or discernible mouths, except for the suckers. <laughs> Scroots are terrifying, but it's so sad that they are dying or disappearing. All right, here's one on Hermione. She seemed to be taking the library's lack of useful information 
as a personal insult. Mm-hmm. When they couldn't figure out how to get Harry to breathe underwater for an hour. They were all three just pouring over the library. She was getting highly upset about it. <laughs> yeah, and I, I, I read that sentence and I go, I understand, Hermione. Right. That library is out to get you. It's, it's <laughs> how dare it defy you like this. It's like never when let you, her down before. It's like when you Google something and Google's just like, did you mean this recipe for donuts? And it's like, no. No, not at all. One thing that really struck me in this section of this chapter, when they're starting to, everybody's starting to freak out that they can't figure out how to breathe underwater for the second task. And JK says, familiar flutterings of panic were starting to disturb Harry now. And it just really struck me because, like I said, this past month for us has been kind of a whirlwind. And I I, I just really resonated with that with that sentence. Familiar flutterings of panic were starting to disturb Harry now. I get it. Yeah, I'm actually kind of surprised I didn't write that one down. I thought <laughs> I did. Sounds like anxiety to me. And then something that's always bothered me ever since... I first read The Goblet of Fire mm -hmm. was when Harry gets down into the lake and he sees pretty much all of his friends tied up. How did, How is he supposed to know that Ron was his quote unquote hostage? <laughs> Besides Dobby telling him. If Dobby hadn't told him, how would who would he have picked? How would he have known? The ambiguousness of the thing that they selected to take from them is just, like, not very well planned. I don't think so. I mean, they kidnapped a girl from France to do this, apparently. <laughs> yeah, what was she even doing there? She couldn't compete. That's just always bothered me. You weren't being thick after all. You were showing moral fiber. <laughs> One of the best lines of the whole chapter. <laughs> <laughs> Padfoot returns. He seemed determined that nobody should hear... What he was saying that he was barely opening his lips. It was as though he were a poor ventriloquist. <laughs> I believe this was Karkaroff talking to Snape. I've tried ventriloquism before. <laughs> How did that work out? Um, I thought pretty well. Most people couldn't understand me. It's very hard to do. I then have Hermione's obsessed with house elves. In quotes. <laughs> Percy would never throw any of his family to the Dementors, said Hermione severely. I don't know, said Ron, if he thought we were standing in the way of his career. Percy's real ambitious, you know. Mm -hmm. Ambitious is an interesting word here. I think it's accurate. Yeah, I'm not saying it's not accurate. It's They used ambitious a lot to describe Percy throughout this book. But just the idea that ambition can lead you to murder is interesting. Mm, I see. One thing that struck me is when they're meeting Sirius in the cave and Sirius's line, he says, I'll breathe freely again when this is all over. That one also sounds like anxiety. <laughs> to yes. me. Okay. If the third book is depression, the fourth book is anxiety, and the fifth book is PTSD. Ah. And what's the seventh book? Just murder? <laughs> But I, I see what you're saying. Yeah, because this one's definitely, it's got the buildup throughout the whole thing. And then the thing you're dreading most happens at the end. It's it, it's a perfect metaphor for anxiety. The madness of Mr. Crouch. Unwilling to go back to Gryffindor Tower and listen to Ron and Hermione snarling at each other. 
And I think J.K. Rowling, 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 Joanne. It's rolling like bowling. Oh, it is? Okay, I thought so. This is just (laughs) another example of J.K. Rowling being terrible at writing relationships. I think her putting Ron and Hermione bickering constantly and that's supposed to be like they're flirting and the basis of their their bond i just (sighs) it's just another example that she's terrible at writing relationships but then we have nifflers yes we get a little nifflers this is this is my favorite chapter. I completely forgot that Nifflers actually were around in the books. But not in the movies, and nor have they been in Fantastic Beasts yet, and I'm kind of upset. Yeah, they are. Oh, you're right. <laughs> There's like a main character, Niffler. What are you talking about? It's been a long time since I've watched the Fantastic Beasts series. I've been on Harry Potter for all of 2020 so far. <laughs> <laughs> Harry took off his watch, which he was only wearing out of habit as it didn't work anymore. Watches are a weird... Like, once you have a watch, you always have a watch, even if you don't. (laughs) What? (laughs) Like, if you're not wearing a watch, you still, like, instinctively have a watch, even if you haven't worn one in ten years. Oh, true. True. And then I have a great Hagrid line. I only buried a hundred (laughs) coins. And then I have a nice crumb quote the sentence is no one spoke for a moment then maze grunted crumb short but sweet and to the point and then hagrid does something that i have wanted to do on multiple occasions but can't for both physical and legal reasons and (laughs) that is hagrid seized the front of karkaroff's furs lifted him into the air and slammed him against a nearby tree apologize Hagrid snarled. Mm, yes, it would be lovely to do that sometimes. The thing the thing I love about Hagrid, especially like in moments like this, is this is not anything that was said about Hagrid. This was something that was said about Dumbledore. Dumbledore, yeah. And for some reason, this has always been one of my favorite chapters in Goblet of Fire, and I don't know why, and I think it's because it's very winky heavy and i love winky (laughs) i'm serious she's she's always been one of my favorite characters one of my favorite supporting characters i love her whole storyline even though it's sad very sad and in the and in this chapter she's you know she's drinking and she's drinking heavily it's really sad but all the house elves rush to like tuck her in and cheer her up and that's really sweet Mm -hmm. but then hermione gets roused and tries to rile up the rest of the house elves into telling them you know that they deserve proper wages and and holidays and stuff and and she tries to use dobby as an example and poor dobby he just he's just like please (laughs) keep me out of this dobby knows and i love how dobby knows even though he is an outcast don't make it worse yeah like he's okay being different but he's not trying to he's not trying to make everybody else free Mm mm-hmm Anywho, would you like a trivia question? Yes, please. How do you find the door to the Hogwarts kitchen where the house elves work? We'll be right back. This is Jeffrey, the financial advisor for Spew at Gringotts Bank. And now we return to Spew. And we're back. All right, Lavender, how do you find the door to the Hogwarts kitchen? So if you're asking for, like, actual directions, I don't have that. But I know that it involves a painting of, like, a bowl of fruit, and you have to tickle the pear. Yes. <laughs> that, that That is basically it. Although, now that you mentioned the directions, I believe you just go down one floor 
and there's a weird hallway with lots of pictures and it's also where you go for the hufflepuff coven room i believe yeah i couldn't tell you what floor or corridor or anything it was in but i know the bowl of fruit and you have to tickle the pear huh. and he giggles yes can you imagine all the house elves having to tickle the pear to get in and that the cutest thing ever well, see, that's a question. No one sees the house elves. They have the ability to teleport using their own kind of magic that's not the same as apparating. Do they use the door? So that's a good question, too. I still like to picture in my mind's eye them just tickling the pear. All right, moving on to the next chapter. To the dream. The dream. And this was, I believe he was talking about Barty Crouch. And the sentence is, he was having real trouble stringing two words together, but that was when he seemed to know where he was and know what he wanted to do. Yeah, this is when he he was trying to tell the story to Ron and Hermione the next day, I think. And then a nice defiant, no one's tried to attack me all year. <laughs> Not directly, Harry. Not directly. <laughs> One of my favorite lines in this is when they're talking about going to go see Mad-Eye Moody the next day after Barty Crouch makes an appearance on the Hogwarts grounds to see if, you know, he found him. And he says, mm -hmm. he's, they say he'd probably blast us through the door if we came around this early. And that is me. <laughs> he's jumpy. And rightfully so. I just don't like to be woken up. <laughs> and then after Harry has his dream in divination and he decides to go to Dumbledore and he's hearing um, Minister of Magic and oh, I can't remember who else was in there, but the Minister of Magic and Dumbledore's conversation and Fudge hinting to Dumbledore that Hagrid isn't harmless just because of his love of magical creatures. I just, I just want to smack Fudge. I love the pacing of the revelation of Fudge because he goes from being this powerful person who is just trying to make his campaign look good to slowly being revealed as oh, pretty much an idiot to this book and the realization that, oh, he's just a racist. Basically, because he he knows because he's known Hagrid a long time and he knows that he's harmless. Mm -hmm. I think Fudge took him to Azkaban on both accounts. He definitely did the second one and he knows that Hagrid is harmless and he still has this kind of underlying bias against him just because he's part giant. It's just, I just want to smack him. Yeah. Then in the next chapter, The Pensieve. Harry just had to know what the glowing substance was. He's, he, curiosity is dangerous. He just like... He didn't even try to avoid it. No, no. But if there's a random glowing substance, I have to check it out too, so... <laughs> Not me. <laughs> and it's funny that you say curiosity because Dumbledore actually has a quote on curiosity in this chapter at the end. He and does. he says, curiosity is not a sin, but we should exercise it with caution. Yes. So don't go towards the glowing things. <laughs> We'd just like to congratulate Mr. Bagman on his splendid performance for England in the Quidditch match against Turkey last Saturday. Yeah, he definitely got off easy. <laughs> for passing along information to the Death Eaters? Come on. But also, man, the wizarding justice system is so broken. Dude. You like... <laughs> either get away with it or you have your soul sucked out like there's no like in between like right there's no probationary period or anything but dumbledore remembers bertha jorkins yes i thought that was important yep 
He remembers her from school, from when she was a student. No one else remembers Bertha Jorkins. Dumbledore does. That's a good point. Everybody's just like, uh, Bertha, okay. Missing? Okay, cool. I've never seen her before anyways. Why should I be concerned? <laughs> Something that um also kind of struck me here is when Harry's explaining his dream to Dumbledore, how even Dumbledore was perplexed as to how Voldemort could have held a wand without a body. And I don't know why this strikes mm -hmm. me as important, but it shows that Dumbledore is not really all-knowing. Not yet, at least. He knows that Voldemort is going to come back, but he doesn't know how far along in that process he is. But it also feels very much like he's trying to get Harry to notice that Voldemort, like, he's trying to educate Harry on how to look for these things while also not having a clue. Mm, I never thought about that but good point and then at the end of this chapter is when we first learn the fate of neville's parents and it's really sad it is and then in the beginning of the third task there is another article in the daily prophet about harry and there is a quote from experts from saint mungo's talking about his scar hurting saying he might be pretending a plea for attention <sighs> makes me mad this is such a it's always the excuse on learning disabilities that it's a plea for attention yep. also this is just kind of a thought of they were all shown the maze prior to it being completed why did no one try to like draw it out and like pre-learn the maze they were just like oh okay that's the easy part the hard part is preparing for what we don't know is coming but you could prepare for the part that you do know is coming that's a good point because i mean they literally had to grow the maze and they were there watching it the whole time yeah they they were shown it what two weeks in advance i think a whole i think a whole month wasn't it just the fact that no one thought to fly up and make a copy of the maze so that they could learn it inside out. I, I, I don't get it. Mrs. Weasley and Bill, I believe, come by mm -hmm. to watch Harry in the third task. And they mention that Percy is under a lot of strain at work. And he's actually under inquiry. Mm -hmm. And then <laughs> when Harry first sees Mrs. Weasley and he just kind of, he's like, oh, thank God. You know, I thought maybe the Dursleys were here and her eyes just kind of flash. I love how she doesn't actively criticize the Dursleys <laughs> in front of Harry. But you know, you know what she's thinking. <laughs> And then you asked why didn't they pre-solve the maze. I ask why did they put this upside down mist as an obstacle in the maze in the first place? <laughs> <laughs> that was the most pointless obstacle ever. And the, the 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 whole upside down thing. I'm just like, did I miss something? I'm. It's the dumbest, most pointless part of the whole chapter. And it was a good paragraph, man. <laughs> it was a lot, and all he had to do was take another step. <laughs> Boo. And then the next chapter is Flesh, Bone, and Blood, which I didn't have a lot on this chapter. There was a lot of action going on, but it wasn't particularly a long chapter. It was not a long chapter at all. The one thing that always confused me about this was the fact that, okay, Wormtail was supposed to give flesh. Why did that require his entire hand? Right, why not a pinky? And, and, and he already gave one of those. And, and on the counter of that, we know he needs blood of the enemy. The first time I read this chapter, I assumed he was gonna go to, like, slit his throat or something. But no, he takes just, like, a harmless cut in his arm. And it's like, why did you cut off your entire hand? Nope. I, <laughs> I don't get it either. 
And I don't, I don't understand why Harry, because in the sequence of events, Cedric is killed. Wormtail goes over to Harry and drags him over to the tomb to tie him down. Harry didn't fight at all. I know he was in shock. He had just seen Cedric Diggory murdered before his very eyes, but he didn't fight it off at all. He just went along with it and had, ugh, it doesn't make sense. I mean, a spider touched his ankle and so, I mean... Some hay fell on Ian Malcolm's leg, and he was terribly injured, and um, in the book he died and then came back to go back to the island in the second book. Harry's leg was injured. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. (laughs) Okay, we'll take that as an explanation. (laughs) I I like Jurassic Park. (laughs) But seriously, in the book, Ian Malcolm dies from his leg wound from the outhouse falling on it. It's been a long time since I've seen Jurassic Park. All right, let's move on. First proper meeting of the Death Eaters. And here we have Voldemort very much calling out Peter, like, in plain English, you return to me, not out of loyalty, but fear of your old friends. And then he says, worthless and traitorous as you are, you helped me. And Voldemort rewards his helpers. He also says, there is a stench of guilt upon the air. (laughs) <laughs> I like all of these things. These are very... They're very Voldemort. Yeah, he's he's very... I'm bad. You're bad. But we're bad together. So I will reward you. Also, in this chapter, I, I know there's a lot of spells involved. But Bertha Jorkins is far from innocent. I'm interested to see how you came to this conclusion. Well, she knew stuff. And then she told stuff. She shouldn't have known the stuff. But then, I guess... Her memory was wiped. At this point in the story, it was not explained yet that her memory was wiped. And so it was just like, she obviously knew something to be tortured. So she is a victim, but it's also her fault. I didn't have many notes on these last few chapters. I just, I couldn't. No, there there wasn't an awful, like I said, these last couple chapters, it's just a, lots of action, not a lot of actual development um there is a point where Voldemort is um like trying to coerce Harry and Stephen Fry's voice for him sounds like just like Jareth from the labyrinth and it made me chuckle (laughs) okay he was going to die trying to defend himself even if no defense was possible Yes. Also, I, I don't think priori incantatum is a metaphor for anything. It is just absolutely insane and bonkers. Yeah, it's very left field. It's that old magic. That's sure. <laughs> also, another thing that I never quite understood is Karkaroff is already at like the one place that you can't disapparate from, protected under Dumbledore. Why did he run away? To another place where he was vulnerable. He didn't trust in the power of Hogwarts. I mean, like, he could have legit just, like, used the same excuse of, I was with Snape and Barty Crouch, and if I left, someone would have known and blew my cover, and... No, he runs away from that bad excuse. He was just terrified. Also, Barty Crouch Jr. is a lying monster and a good actor. Yeah. <laughs> and as he's telling his story, it, it this very much reminded me, It's it was like he became immune to his medicine. The longer he was being subdued, the better he got at breaking free. The better he got at pretending. And poor Winky was absolutely coerced into believing she was doing the right thing. Yeah. 
I'm still so upset that Winky didn't make it into the movies. Her story is so important. There's a lot that the movie left out of this one. Oh, yeah. This is when things really started to go downhill for the movies. There was just, there's a lot that I don't understand how cutting it helped pacing your time or anything like that. It's just gone. I know that, like, part of the reason Percy isn't in this one is because his contract was only for four movies and they wanted him for the fifth movie and it was a weird thing that ended up not mattering. Great. <laughs> also, Fudge, like, straight up murders Barty Crouch Jr. Yeah, and doesn't even think twice about it. No. No trial or nothing. And and I just love the fact that McGonagall was absolutely furious about this. It didn't matter if he deserved it or not. He shouldn't have done that. Yeah, she she was just basically like, what is wrong with you? And then I found this quote that I was looking for several weeks ago from Dumbledore of... You fail to recognize that it matters not what someone is born, but what they grow to be. Wise words. Wise words, J.K. Rowling. Dumbledore. (laughs) (laughs) She she don't listen to her own characters. And then when Dumbledore basically asks Sirius and Snape to get along, and Harry thought Dumbledore was asking for a near miracle. Mm Mm-hmm. And then in the last chapter, fun little quote from Hagrid. Now who'd like to come and visit the last group with me? And then he he claims he was joking. Oh, Hagrid. (laughs) (laughs) The Scroots. And then overall, like like, like we said, this book overall, I, I think anxiety plays a major part in this one. But also we see a lot of normal people refusing to hear the truth. Normal people don't want to hear the truth. Nope. Or accept it. Also, confusion about the Thestrals. They do not make an appearance in this last chapter. Though you could argue they should. Her official reason is that it really just hasn't set in yet and so he doesn't see them yet. But I found this entire last chapter was mostly not necessary other than wrapping up a few loose ends, which could have easily been done in like that last week of school and then ending with the cliffhanger of Harry seeing the Thestral for the first time. I just feel like would have been a better ending there. Mm, I'm inclined to agree. And then we have to talk about the thing on the back of the book. Did you find the answer? No! So on the back of the U.S. edition of the book, with the art by Mary Grand Prix, the main thing is the maze behind Harry, but then you also have the Hungarian Orndale's tail, and behind its wing is this double-beak pterodactyl-looking thing with bug antenna. No one seems to know what it is. I don't know if it's supposed to be something from the lake. The most common response is, oh, it's a Scroot. That's not a Scroot. That doesn't match the way Scroots are described in any way whatsoever. I still think it's a Scroot. (laughs) The first time I read the book, I thought it was a Vila. And then I looked at it and I'm like, why did I think that was a Vila? I don't. Yeah, I thought you were joking. No, (laughs) it makes more sense than a Scroot. I guess it could be a bogger. <laughs> this month in Autism Warrior Wizards, we're going to bring back someone that we've talked about before. Armani Williams, 20-year-old NASCAR driver, who on August 9th finished in 10th place. This is his first top 10 race and his second ARCA race. 
which ARCA is NASCAR's feeder series or minor league series, so he's doing good in the lineups to eventually get into, like, you know, real NASCAR. Way to go, Armani. Also, this is the fastest race that he's been in, because this is the first track that the speeds are 190 to 200 miles an hour, which is fast. Yeah, that's real fast. <laughs> if you would like to get in on the conversation, you can send us owl mail at spewcast at gmail.com, or you can send us a howler by sending us voicemail there or clicking the link in the description or giving us a call at 407-706-SPEW that's 407-706-7739 we are also on twitter our twitter handle is at spectrum people we're on facebook.com slash spewcast and we're also on instagram at spewpod oh oh and tiktok we're also on tiktok at spewcast <laughs> And our theme music is by Joan Burr. Until next time, I'm Queerness. And I'm Lavender. And as Luna Lovegood says, don't worry, you're just as sane as I am. Bye. Bye. Bye.